Hi, everybody. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And this is Coffee and Capes, a podcast by coffee and geek culture enthusiasts. Um, and we're glad that you found us and that you're with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys can find us on Spotify. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on YouTube if you really feel an overwhelming need to look at our faces. We don't recommend it, though. Uh, just listen to us in the car or listen to us while you're doing whatever. Um, and thanks for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would like to make suggestions on topics that you would uh, like to hear us uh, wax poetically about, uh, you can send us an email at supers at coffee n, the letter n, capes, uh, dot com. So not coffee and or the coffee and symbol. Uh, was that ampersand? Yes. Ambersand, right? I, I, I'm never sure if I pronounce that correctly. I don't know. I know either. Um, I'm going to go with ampersand. Though. So yeah. just the word coffee, the letter n, the word capes dot com. Sweet. Well, today we are reacting to the new movie Dune, which I know just came out this past weekend, uh, but it's also available on HBO Max if you're so inclined. Um, okay. I, I don't know. I mean, so obviously maybe you haven't had a chance to see it. Hopefully you have. Uh, it just came out, although it's a story that's been around for like 55 years. So I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure how much spoilers apply at this yeah. point. Um, but first, before we get going, we gotta we gotta stick with tradition. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Yeah, Dave, what coffee are you drinking today? I okay. So, in a previous episode, we uh, were chuckling at you having Folgers at the time, and you know, are you you losing your cred there a little bit? Well, it's my turn uh, to be pedestrian. I've got some Dunkin' Donuts coffee today. Ah, fair enough. People love Dunkin' Donuts coffee. They really, really do. I don't get it. I mean, I, like nothing against Dunkin' Donuts. If there's right. anybody from Dunkin' Donuts that ever runs across this episode, we're not putting you down. I, it's just, it's coffee. Like there's, there's nothing spectacular about it. it I have been known to drink it um, back in the day when, you know, C2L was around and I would mm -hmm. coach at five o'clock in the morning. Dunkin' Donuts was open and probably saved many lives because of that fact. Um, but it was just it was just coffee. Like there wasn't yeah. anything like over the top about it. It wasn't underwhelming. It was but, just right. That's the thing. Yeah, it's just it's there's nothing overwhelming, but there's nothing bad about it either. It's right. It's, it just whelmed. Yes. 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 It whelmed. It does whelm. That's for sure. Why doesn't anybody whelm anymore? <laughs> um well, How about you, John? What are you drinking? <laughs> I am actually, I, I grabbed the bag. My wife was nice enough to save the bag this week. So this is the, if you can see it, uh, the Starbucks Kenya African blend with well-rounded with notes of tropical fruit and brown sugar. It's a medium roast, which is unusual for me. I'm not usually a medium roast guy, hmm. usually a dark roast guy, Yeah, but really nice, really good flavor. I, I'm enjoying it greatly. Um, Excellent. So, I can't believe I almost forgot about our coffee section. It's like I it's know. right there in a, in our name. Like and it's so important. It is. It's it's really it's gaining a new level of importance that uh people will find out about uh in the coming weeks. That's called foreshadowing, friends. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. <laughs> um 
All right. So back to what we were talking about. Yeah. The Dune itself as a story has been out forever. It's probably the thickest paperback on the planet. Um, if you ever need to hold, if you're a parent and you need to hold a two-year-old down from wandering <laughs> off, you can just put the book on them. It acts uh, like Molnir in that way. Yeah, it acts like Molnir. <laughs> exactly. You just set it on the child and boom. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's paper, so it's not harmful. Right. Um, and, and I don't I know. Don't I, think it's capable of summoning lightning. So I don't think that's no. Right. But if it is, and you manage to make it happen, please let us, us video. know. Yeah, because that would be amazing. Um, have you ever read the book, Dave? I have, I'm pretty sure it was at least 30 years ago. Like, I think a it whole was a book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I read a whole book back. There. No, no, no. Not like, not have you ever read a whole book that it's probably the one book that I have more conversations with people about who state I've well, read only part read it. part of it because yeah. of how big it is. Right. That and kind of like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Right, 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 right. And I have I've read that, although most of my Lord of the Rings trilogy reading was done through audiobook, but that's a conversation for another time. But yeah. Dune, I actually read I think just the one though. I know there's like two or three or maybe 35 other books. I don't know. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. At one point I was trying to remember, did I read multiples? And I think maybe the first one was just so dang long that I felt like I read multiple sequels. That's fair. But I don't know. To be honest, I don't remember much specifics about the book. It, you know, the basic, basic, basic storyline, but not much beyond that. Now, and I, and I've only read part of it because it was so long that like, I, I just, I was young. So I just set it down and wandered off. Yeah. Um, and that's just what happens when you're young. You get partway through something and you're like, oh, look outside world i'll go that i mean let's be honest that happens to us now too yeah it does it really does as is evidenced by this podcast (laughs) um but i'm way more familiar with the original david lynch movie Mm -hmm. um which came out in the 80s yeah which in which they they attempted to cram essentially the whole eight million page book (laughs) and right into one movie um David Lynch, by the way, uh, phenomenal director. He's done some really good movies. He was the one who did uh, Twin Peaks, the show Twin Peaks, right? right. He did Mulholland Drive, uh, Lost Highway. A lot of really kind of weird stuff is is David Lynch's. And you could see that in the original. If you've seen, have you seen the original? I have. It's been yeah. a long time. But you can see his flair for like oddity yeah. in that original. There was like, you're like, oh. Um, but I enjoyed it, it, as weird as it was, right? And it was definitely a little weird. I I really enjoyed that original movie. Uh, I had fun watching it. It was one of my one of those that as a kid I could watch it multiple times over. Um, so I was really excited for this to come out. Yeah, I was looking forward to this one too. I think um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a big fan. As, as I've said, I don't even hardly remember just specifics about the stories, but, but uh, the trailers were pretty unavoidable as much as I might've tried to avoid them. Uh, but they did their job, man. I was, I was like, I was excited to see this movie. I was ready for it. I was ready to see it. And obviously, you know, it's only been out for a few days and saw it already. So yeah. Um, and I think it's important to let everybody know, like, usually like 
we're pretty close in proximity around like opinions on on movies but it sounds like this might be the first one that uh we we swing in different directions i think so so let's get into it uh yeah john tell me tell me what do you think i really liked it um i went into it with uh you know the idea that one it wasn't going to be a complete story like the old version was um the original old you know david lynch film and that had been made clear is that there, if you read any of the information on the movie, that it would be split into multiple, there was a uh, multiple films. There was actually a comment made that this would be more like um, kind of Lord of the Rings ish where they broke mm-hmm. it into multiple, multiple films. And also I was very excited for this because I had seen an article and I don't remember where, or a statement about it where somebody had said this, the feel of this would be more along the lines of like empire strikes back. Um, Hmm. Not a lot of good guys winning. Right. Um, But more than anything, I was really interested in seeing what the, like with more time to explore the story and with more time to explore the characters and more time to explore kind of the, the world what would they do with it and how would it look and um, how kind of true to feel would it come across? Also, I really enjoy the actors that are in it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Josh Brolin, anybody in nerd culture has uh, an appreciation for and love for Josh Brolin. Suddenly he's in like everything. I know. And he should be. I mean, his, his rolling Goonies was incredibly important. Uh, and he should have won an Oscar, but <laughs> Josh Brolin, if you ever hear this, we love you, man. You're good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he has been in everything, right? He's, he's Thanos in uh, all the Avengers movies. He was Cable in Deadpool mm-hmm. 2. Right, right. I mean, he's literally, and he's in a lot of other stuff too. And he's a phenomenal actor. He really is. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to see it with, you know, with him in it, Oscar Isaac's in it. Yeah. Um, Zendaya, right, is, is in it. And um, I didn't know anything at all about Timothy uh, in Chalamet. any way. Chalamet? Yeah. I, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his name, so I don't want to butcher it. But I, I really I don't Chalamet. know. I, I don't think I'd ever seen him in anything. And then all of a sudden, like, he's popping up as being the next Willy Wonka, too, which at some point we can discuss, is it necessary for a third Willy Wonka movie? <laughs> um so and Jason Momoa, Jason Momoa is in it, and I'm a big Jason yeah. Momoa fan, uh, just as a human being and as a, you know, as right. an entertainer. I think he does a, a great job. Plus, he has uh, really nice stances on things like the environment and uh, taking care of one another. Yeah. So also Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson, yeah, really? uh, absolutely, right. Um, and I was not familiar with. I'm looking up in the name, so I have it right here. Uh, Sharon Duncan Brewster. I was not okay. familiar with her before, but no. uh, she's in it and does a good job. They're all I will say all the actors, I think, do a very good job. Yeah. Uh, you know, interesting. Uh Skarsgard, who plays oh, yeah. Yeah, um yeah. plays the Harkonnen Baron. And yep. then uh ah, Batista. Batista, who I think has really started to come into his own as uh as an actor in a number of things, just super entertaining guy to watch. Um, and he's really developed into a great actor. I thought 
So I was excited to see this on a number of different levels. And for me, uh, going in looking for like a visual epic, mm -hmm. knowing that it wasn't going to wrap things up in a tidy fashion. Um, so I, I, with that knowledge, I was curious where it would end, like where they would kind of um, cut that off. Yeah. And I really liked it. Um, I really, really enjoyed it and thought it delivered on everything that I was, I was looking for out of that. Uh, your opinion though. So I think it looks amazing. The visuals are incredible. The, the sand has layers. Um, I think, I, you know, every actor is a professional and does a good job. Um, I think the ships are interesting. Like some of the, they don't necessarily look like the same spaceships you've seen in every other movie set in space. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, as much as I remember the story, I think it's pretty darn faithful. Uh, I've since read a, an interview with the, the director who said that he kept a copy of the book on set, like to refer to and like encourage everybody to read it and, and, yeah. and whatnot. So that it was, you know, the book really was guiding the way the movie was made. Mm -hmm. um, here's my issue. I just, it left me cold. Mm -hmm. I wanted to like it. I think all the actors are good. There's nobody, but I just, it didn't, it didn't move me at all. It didn't stir anything in me. It mm. just felt, it felt like it, to, again, to me, it looked amazing, but felt really dispassionate. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. But it, so, and I will say this, right. If you watch the first Dune movie as well, they have that similar aspect. I think it's very, I was, I felt really good about the, and was impressed with the dynamic between Oscar Isaac and Timothy uh, Chalamet, right. Mm -hmm. In terms of the father son piece. It had a beautiful line in it that I thought was wonderful um, that you can see in the preview, but was that line of, you know, then you'll always be all that I ever needed you to be, which was my son. Yeah. Right. What a beautiful like moment, like, Hey, what if this isn't me? And then that's okay. And that's a great lesson for fathers everywhere. Yeah. Right. Well, like parents everywhere. Yeah. But parents yeah. in general, like, yeah what a what an important reminder that hey that you just always be what i want you to be you know what i ever needed you to be and that was that was my child um you know there's not a lot of humor in the movie i think which tends to help people travel emotional gambits yeah right but it's not meant to be funny right right it's not meant to have like the most the I think the the funniest moment in the movie was like the Jason Momoa moment with Timothy Chalamet. And he's like, you been putting on muscle. He's like, really? Have I? No. Have I? No. <laughs> but, but outside of that, it's not it's not funny. Right. I mean, the whether intentional or not, I assume so. There was it was, a, it was a nice little nod when. Uh, um, Oscar Isaac's character says he wanted to be a pilot. Like, I assume that's a little nod to his Poe Dameron character in, in the Star Wars movies. Um, right. That's clever and funny. And I like that that little moment, I guess. 
here's my issue. One of my issues, I feel like all the best parts we saw in the trailer. Hmm. Interesting. And, and there wasn't a lot more, you know, sometimes you see a piece of a, of a part, you know, you see a piece of a set in the movie, right. and in the trailer. And then you get to the movie and there's, it's a part of a larger whole. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the stuff we saw in the, in the trailers is kind of it. Mm. I disagree. I, I don't think it was. I don't think that was it. So I think it depends on what you were looking for too. Were you looking for big, incredible special effects moments? Then yeah, you're probably on point, right? Um, were you looking for the heart and the meat of the story? It's a slow moving story, right? Yeah. It, it's if you think about it in terms of let's put it up against Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right. Again, or even uh, the Hobbit movies, right? Um, that Peter Jackson went back and and did slow moving in the initial portion. Uh, like there's a lot of action at the beginning and then there's an hour and a half of hobbits walking through the woods. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's pretty yeah. much how it goes because that's the story. The story is the development of the, the relationship and the, the conversations that take place and, you know, those kinds of things that evolved. I think that it, I think it did a nice job of staying true to the storytelling aspect of what it originally was without giving into the mass market. How do we make this super shiny and flashy all the way through to keep everybody's attention? We've been spoiled mm. with, with Marvel movies, right? We've been spoiled with, uh, with like, I watched Batman, uh, you know, Batman again the other day and, and was the Christopher Nolan version and was mm-hmm. like, man, like, we just got these constant adrenaline rushes. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, where lots of action and then small moments of levity and comedy in between to get you to breathe. And then lots of action, little tragedy, small moment of levity to breathe in between. And then tons of action through the climax in the end. Yeah. Um, and if you really think back, if we if we remove these, the the Marvel and DC universe, you know, kind of out of things, let's go back to Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. The first 30 minutes of that movie was Darth Vader and the stormtroopers annihilating Hoth and the escape from Hoth. Yeah. Right? Past that, the next hour of that movie is essentially. Luke and his introduction to Yoda on a swamp planet and Han and Leia uh, essentially sitting in a a worm cave. (laughs) There's, there's not a lot that happens. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But Yoda's hilarious. Yoda is funny. Yeah. And, and you know, there's the, I don't know what to say about the worm cave thing other than, you know, it's kind of an interesting build to when the it dawns on you that they're in something that's alive. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll say this, that it maybe it didn't help two things. I saw this with my 15 year old and he was bored the entire time. Mm. Like, and he was, in, he was 
he wanted to go. He wanted to right. see it. But I mean, he fell asleep for a little bit. He was like fidgeting in his seat. He like leaned on me a couple of times. Like he's like leans his head on my shoulder or leans his feet on my lap or something like. Right. Um, and, you know, he had no connection to the story or to the. The, the movie from the 80s. Um, and at one point, he early on, he leaned over and he's like, what is this ripoff of Star Wars? But see, and that's the funny thing is that like it came first, of course. Yeah, it, yeah. it came first. And I yeah. think that, you know, there and I've seen some of the. Some of the negatives on it, right? Some of the things people have said, right, that it ended like in a weird way that Zendaya was in it for a very short period of time and she was made to look like she was much bigger and she is a much bigger role, right? It's she's not a, a small insignificant role. Um, and I could see being 15 and you know, being bored in it. Yeah. Right. Uh, easily. If you, if you're used to, and you've been raised on flashy, flashy yeah. special effects, which he and is. A, and he has, <laughs> right. And it's a desert planet. Yeah. Right. Like you can't do a whole lot of visual stimulation with sand. <laughs> right. And that looks like, and I love the, you know, that, that you could see the grains of spice yeah, in the, spice the air. Is beautiful. That's terrific terrific and and so maybe you know maybe some of his energy rubbed off on me um i say my other and other issue i had was just the the physical nature of it like the and maybe it was the theater we were in but there were multiple times i could not understand or hear dialogue because of the how loud the sound effects were like in the background really i didn't have that problem in the theater so maybe it was the theater we saw it in did you guys see it in like a theater with like the specialized like yeah we um, like the Dolby theater here yeah I've been in some of those and run into that as well where it you can't like the special effects and explosions so far overpower in those theaters and I saw it in a normal like two D non IMAX movie theater yeah um and could and didn't have that problem just okay. so you know. And I will say this. So I did watch it a second time on HBO Max. Oh, cool. and, and I turned on uh, the subtitles so that I would know what was being said. Nice. Because it was bothering me to not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and I will say it made more sense. There were more connections. Yeah. Once I knew what the dialogue actually was. Mm -hmm. But it still didn't really solve the lack of energy problem for me or the like it still just felt dispassionate. See, and I and I thought it did a really there were moments that I thought it just did such a beautiful job sticking to the story. Yeah. Right. Staying true to the book. And there were even nods to David Lynch's in there. Um, you know, there are some scenes with the uh, where Paul, you know, Atreides has to put his hand in the box. Yeah. And they did that differently. Right. Then in some ways. But uh the mother, I can't remember what mother, I want to call her the mother Tesseract, but that's not right. But, you know, they, they <laughs> right, had yeah, a whole the, religion uh, that was Bene Gesserit. Bene Gesserit. Thank you. Uh, and even she was kind of like close to being along lines of like the creepiness from the original. Yeah. And there were some really nice moments like that, but expanded upon and the setting was just done so much better. Um, you know, because we've, we've come so far, you can right. do yeah. so like so much better. Well, and I read they, uh, 
they filmed the desert scenes on location. That was not soundstage and CGI that they did a lot yeah. of that on location in places just to add to the realism. And it, that part works. Like it looks, I can't say enough. It looks amazing. Um, I, I just, I felt like as even with all you're saying about, it's a slow build of the story and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a child anymore. I can live with, you know, right. long, but even in the midst of that, a lot of it felt rushed. Like, oh, hmm. we spent, we've been on, um, oh gosh, what's the, what's the actual Arrakis? Arrakis, yeah. We've yeah. been on do on Arrakis for a second and a half, and oh, now we're being, you know, they're being sent to, to, to hunt us down, which, uh, you know, maybe you have to do to to move the story along, but it just felt like there was so much potential, um, especially for the Josh Brolin character for Gunny, that. He's got this, you know, there's so much interesting there with the, the depth hinted at, right? With the, the poetry reading and, the, or, and, and his quoting. And, and um, Paul says to him at one point, you know, just how about just a song this time? Like, so, you know, hinting that here's a guy that will sing for you sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this depth of character hinted at that we just barely get to know. And okay, spoiler alert here, but his... Well, actually, we don't even see what happens to his character. And that's so I was going to bring this up because Rachel said the same thing about him. She's like, she found Josh Brolin's character uh, really interesting. She's like, and they, and they just offed him without anything else. I'm like, Gurney is not dead. Like, if you go back and you watch the original, all you saw was Gurney yelling, everybody, like, get everything with guns into the air. And then that smile oh, as man. he went to war, right? Yeah. As he went to battle. Yeah. But that was all we saw. We didn't see him die. We saw no explosion that took him out. That's the last moment that we saw. If you yeah. go back to the original, right, which wraps the whole story in one film, Gurney shows up again. After that initial attack and after Paul ends up like Gurney and some of the other warriors from uh, Clan Atreides, like make it out and show up again later. Like Gurney plays a very large role in the overall story. And, you know, you're on the same page. Rachel, they're like, she was like, he's such a, like, what happened? Like they killed him so fast. I'm like, he's not dead. Okay. He doesn't, he yeah. doesn't die there. Well, and uh, for sure. And I noticed I, I was looking for it when I watched it the second time. And you're right. He does not die on screen. It just is kind of sort of hinted at with all the explosions around him, but you're right. So hopefully, I mean, I, I trust that you're right. And again, I don't even remember enough about the book to know whether that's the thing, but we'll Well, say, I remember if it is, I'll go with you. uh, If you look up Max von Sydow, don't ask how I remember some of these things. (laughs) Max von Sydow, I believe plays the character of Gurney Hmm. in the original. Okay. And if you go back and look like Max von Sydow, like, ends up you know the end of the book as well i believe i could be wrong or that somebody else that ends up you know what let me just look that up real quick um how i remember who like the people are that showed up but let's go and see it's dune uh 1980 something 1984 yes yeah let's look at who was what oh no patrick stewart played gurney hey wow Look at that. Max von Sydow played uh, somebody else. But uh, 
Yeah, Patrick Stewart played Gurney. And my understanding, Patrick Stewart shows up like later, I believe. I'm going to go back now and watch the original. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't, I don't think because the other piece is, is I don't think you kill off somebody like Gurney without showing the death. Yeah, well, that's what that was one of my complaints. Like he doesn't even get the, the courtesy of dying on screen. But now that you say that, it makes more sense that he's probably alive. Right. It's one of those like little cliffhanger things. Yeah. Right. That that you throw into a movie. I will say Momoa brought a lot of energy to the like he's the closest thing to having some energy on the screen, I think. And I, his character was interesting. Um, although I gotta again, the death scene felt a little recycled. Like how many times in how many movies have you seen the guy? Oh, I'll buy us some time and I'll be the sacrificial lamb and and the main character is running. No, don't. And I, you know, I thought it was a great scene. I really liked it. I thought, and you know what? It was. So I agree with you. Jason Momoa brought more energy than anybody else on the in the film. Right? He had a uh, he had a great presence. He just kind does. Of. He just has. He presence. really does. Also, really not for nothing, but when was the last time we saw him without a beard? Right? It was weird. Yeah. It was weird. They could have left it on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's okay. Like, they had to do it for a reason. But I appreciated the... There was a, a realism to that relationship and his willingness to make that sacrifice. I agree. Right? And I think that... It, I don't think it felt forced. I don't think it felt like, you know, the the sacrificial lamb of, like where you'd have that moment of like, no, it's okay. I'll stay and fight everybody to the death so you can get away. You're like, really? Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thanks, buddy. We could all get away. But, um, you know, and they set that up beautifully through the, the, the different scenes that Paul and Duncan shared. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a, there was a genuine love from Paul for Duncan, Idaho. Yeah, I agree. As you could see through like the moment where he went sprinting up and like jumped up and grabbed him and gave him a big hug. And, right. um, you know, Duncan constantly referring to him as my boy. And, yeah. you know, there was, there was love there. So I thought it was a very real and, and understandable moment to have Duncan give him the salute and then fight. The other thing I think it went to, to demonstrate for us too is, when they were talking about going up against House Atreides and it was the Harkonnen and the Sarkuden, uh, the Harkonnen was going to, they were right. going to recruit the help of the Sarkuden and, and the Sarkuden were like, why do you need us? Yeah. And they, they made it clear that like House Atreides are the most fearsome fighters in you know, all of the empire and they're trained by Gurney and, and Duncan and Idaho. And so you got to see, right, the fighting prowess of Duncan, who went up against not like regular House Harkonnen, but like the Sarkuden and took down, I don't know, 10, it yeah. seemed like. They, yeah. they kept coming through and he just kept going at them. And which I think also sets up the realistic expectation that Gurney could get out of that situation, right? Because they're just they're going up against so, Harkonnen. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt like a scene that we've seen before in a in hundred times. I, I, I don't disagree that it's done well. It's just, and maybe that's, you know, what choice do you have, I guess. 
at that point. But, and again, the, and okay, spoiler alert, uh, Duncan takes a sword through the chest, but somehow after breathing for a couple of seconds is able to get back up and, and come back at it. You know, I mean, that's, that happens yeah, in every single, it but, happens in every single scene like that. But ever. see, the issue is now is you're doing what our culture is famous for. You're nitpicking something that, and, and not suspending the belief system of like the joy of watching this thing on screen. Yeah. Right. It's that the, the holding on to, we've seen this before. Of course you have. I can literally go through every like movie in probably the last 15 to 20 years and find some way, shape or form in which we've seen this before, whether it's the original matrix movies, whether it's any of like the superhero movies that have been made in the last 20 years, there is not, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Every sacrifice is the same. Sure. Right. Nobody's nobody ever is like, I'm going to sacrifice my life for you uh, and eat this bad piece of salmon. <laughs> like it's it's not like that's not, that's not our thing. Although <laughs> I, that that would be funny to see, um, you know, so that's a job for King Shark. That's a job for King Shark. So good. So good. Sylvester Stallone is King Shark. So good. Um, <laughs> okay, you know, answer me this, Jen. You're, you're not wrong. Answer me yeah. this, though. What is the point of a personal shield thing that doesn't stop anything? <laughs> so, okay. Now we're going to get into like the, the point where we might agree on something. Like the personal shield thing, I don't, un, like I didn't understand. It seemed like the personal shield was effective against like quick hits yeah but not against like a slow poke right and they even said that right like in the yeah. in the training scene between gurney and paul that the uh, something about a slow braid a slow, slow blade, blade yeah gets through the shield yeah slow blade penetrates the shield yeah and you saw it in like the bombing runs um where the harkonnen came in and bombed the you know the arrakis encampment because when they were bombing the spaceships like they were very slow bombs that and then, settled yeah, and then right. slowly made their way through the yeah. shield and then exploded. And I was like, well, what's the point of the shield? Right, then? right. What's the point of a shield that everybody knows how to defeat? Yeah, it's one of those where you're like, eh, okay. So like there's that piece. I, I was like, this may send me back to read the book to further understand mm. what was like, the idea behind this for Frank Herbert, right? Yeah. Because there's, and I get, maybe it's forwarding the plot. Who knows? Right. Uh, you're just moving the story forward and in some way, shape or form that you hope nobody's going to notice. Like the fact that like, you probably could have just, you know, done something else with the ring. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and Lord of the Rings, uh, like there's there's always that that thing though within a movie, right? Where sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Why? How? Huh? Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, and, and again, it's a suspend suspend disbelief thing, but right. But I do think it's fair to ask a movie to be consistent in its use of its what Roger Ebert used to call MacGuffins, like whatever your well, and I whatever your thing is. They did that. Like the shield at no point successfully stopped the slow thing right but at uh, no point 
Okay. So there was a moment though, when Duncan in the beginning, like when the, the invasion into the, their house first happened, Duncan throws a knife at somebody and it gets through the shield, which you think would be the thing that wouldn't be able to get through. Right. Which again, makes me go, well, maybe I need to go back and understand like what was Frank Herbert's thought in this. Right. Because, uh, and it's, and it's interesting. So I think there's points where in movies where you have to suspend your disbelief and it's easier to do in certain genres than not. Right. Yeah. So in this, I mean, it's easier for me to suspend disbelief because it's science fiction. Yeah. Right. I'm going to make this up as I go, guys. Like there is no precedent for this. Like we can (laughs) grab little bits from here and we can grab little bits from here. But the reality is this is all in my own head and I'm just taking things and going wild with them. And then you've got like the last Fast and the Furious movie where like they're flying uh, Pontiac Fiero in space and taking out satellites with it. Like you do. I don't understand. Like you do. Right. Like you do. (laughs) <laughs> and and it's like if we're gonna ground a movie in like some sense of reality, then you have to obey certain rules. Yeah. If we're gonna ground it in fantasy, you do whatever you want, right? Like, sure. like I mean, sure, but Avatar? I don't. I think I'm allowed to want them to be consistent in their use of that fantasy. Sure, you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I uh, and I don't remember the the knife throwing as well as you do, but I mean. Now that I think about it, it's it's there. And yeah, it does throw the the concept of the shield off, right? Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we just don't fully understand the shield. Yeah. But but um, apparently the shield was good enough to at least counter some of the poison. Maybe Harkonnens have a different shield technology. Well, it didn't counter it though. He wound up because he hovered, he wound up at the very top. And I I assumed that as he was up at the top like that, that it did less damage to him. Sure. And yeah, then they it must put have him countered in it enough that it didn't kill him right away, like it seemed to everybody else. Right. And there was that weird oily liquid that they put him in. Yeah. And that was uh bizarre. Yeah. And you know who that was, right? The uh, the Baron Harkonnen? Yeah, Starguard, Starsguard. Yeah, and you know where he's from. He's uh the doctor guy from the from the Thor movies, right? Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, they did such a good job, like making him up to be like just this big, massive, like obese, yeah, thing, right? Um, which in the original movie and in the books he is, right? Just yeah. Although in the uh, in the original movie he was also covered in like hideous boils that they were. Yeah, which the the David Lynch movie accomplished and it was disturbing. I did. I remember not enjoying looking at that character. Yeah, it was, it was not okay. Um, and I think there was, you know, and I think some people went in with an expectation that it was going to wrap. They were, they were going to see something additional oh, to it and see like a complete story. Yeah. And it seemed like a complete story. And I didn't, I, I, they wrapped it in a way where, very clearly it's like there's either a second one or a whole lot of angry people right yeah and right. actually i just saw uh reports yesterday that they've officially yeah. said that the part two is a go my guess is and this is just my guess is that part two is probably pretty close to done if we're being uh, honest i would i would assume like 
this is one of those situations like Peter Jackson with Lord of the Rings where just, they, they kept filming and doing it all. Right. Yeah, they, they kept, they kept going with the assumption that, it, you know, they were going to continue. You have to continue to tell the story for it to be complete. Yeah. The upcoming story, I think will win over a lot of the critics of the first one, because in the second half of the original Dune movie is when we started to see like, people learning to ride sandworms and yeah right and that was hinted at yeah we saw that one person off in the distance riding a sandworm yeah um you saw like the the gun that um paul found during the the desert fight scene uh with the fremen Mm -hmm. and um javier bardem who another phenomenal actor gosh yeah we didn't even mention him yeah right another phenomenal actor uh you know comes up and says you you get one of these when you've earned one of these Mm -hmm. right and in the original movie and in the book right so if you haven't seen the original movie i would highly recommend it um it's the special effects have probably not aged well but the story at least like gets you to kind of an understanding of where this is probably going um but it was the idea that the the weapon funneled vocal, uh, like vocal emanations into a, like an explosion. Oh, wow. I did not remember that. Yeah. Um, so go back and check it out. It'll, it'll be interesting, but yeah. And, you know, I think for me, it, it ticked all the boxes that I was looking for. Yeah. Like that I was looking forward to. I felt like uh, it didn't, the movie didn't really give Bautista enough to do. He's kind of in like three scenes. He walks in, grunts or is angry for a moment and <laughs> walks back out. I, you know, I suspect he, he's got a good chance of being a, a much larger part of the second part. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that's the thing is, the second half of the story of Dune really is much faster paced, yeah. much more explosive, much more energetic than the first one. And maybe that's why I enjoyed this one so much is I didn't have that expectation that I would see that in this one. Uh, I yeah. I expected to see like a setup, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was my expectation. I wanted to see beautiful sets. I wanted to see good acting, both of which I saw. Yeah. And I wanted to see a setup for what would end up being like the explosive second half. Sure. And that's, that's what I got is mm-hmm. I got just gorgeous. Everything. Uh, Daniel Valenueva is his directorial artistic. eye is beautiful, like phenomenal job. Um, also, we were talking about people that are in everything. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Right. Oscar Isaac. And uh, his range of stuff is really entertaining. He's got a good range. He does. Um, you know, we got him as Poe Dameron in uh, the Star Wars movies, which I enjoyed seeing him in. Um, we got him as Apocalypse in, uh, in the X-Men movie. The less said about that, the better. Yeah. 
you know, I don't think we blame that on him though. We've, no, we've definitely about not. That, that is one of those movies we don't hold him accountable for. <laughs> That's <laughs> definitely a writing and direction thing. Yeah. And I'm excited to see him as uh, Mark Spector and as Moon Knight in uh, the upcoming Disney Plus series. Oh, I was not aware. Yes, he will be Moon Knight in the upcoming Disney series. That's fun. Yeah. Trying to look for it. There's a movie he's in. Oh, I've got some friends that absolutely love the movie Inside Llewellyn Davis. Oh. That he's like the main guy in. Oh, I know this movie. He's like a musician or something. Yeah. But I've got a couple of friends that, or I know a couple of people anyway, that say like that's one of their all-time favorite movies. I've heard great things about it. He's just a phenomenal actor. I, I actually like, and I'm sure you knew this from the onset of the movie too. Like, you know that he dies. Yeah. Right. And it was one of those, I was like, there was a part of me that, you know, it's like, I'm so glad they're staying true to the story, but if they weren't going to, in some fashion, could we keep Oscar Isaac yeah, for a while we, longer? Yeah, could he stick around for a while? Yeah, because yeah, he's just he was so good. And I enjoyed the way that he carried himself as the head of House Atreides and his interactions with Paul. You know what I didn't realize um, from the first movie? And I've got another reason I got to go back and watch it is that uh, they weren't married, that she was a concubine. Right. Yeah. Which was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I wasn't aware that that was part of the part of that kind of I don't remember why that would have been important like is that an important part of the story or is it just a is it just a thing because in 1965 or whatever it felt transgressive to write to make somebody probably I don't know right Uh, uh, to to say like kind of a modern day concubine was probably a little like um a little bit kind of a, of an explosive moment, right? For people to read it. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting thing that I, I didn't realize um, and made the, her relationship with Paul and the whole thing about, you know, you're supposed to have born only daughters and, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, oh, so she's not really like, his his partner she's still very much like part of the religion and her job is to come in and further that that line that bloodline essentially yeah and i think rebecca ferguson does a pretty good job i think she does the character was a little weepy yes i agree with you on that one right and and often like talking in this whisper like just say what you're gonna say sometimes (laughs) I did, however, like the scene where they escape out of the uh, ornithopter and the way she used her power there mm-hmm. to be like, you will not abuse me or my son. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm shutting this whole thing down. Yeah. She's and and the way she, yeah, right. Yeah, that was powerful. I love, mm-hmm. I really like that part. Um, and when she pretty easily uh, took care of uh, Javier Bardem's Stilgar character. Yeah. Right. Like she's badass, man. She's great. So yeah. just a little too much time kind of. I, I agree with you. Grunting like, and whining and moaning and weeping. Yes. I am 100% on board with you on uh, with that one, because I thought that last scene where she fought, you know, Javier Bardem, we saw like she's no punk. She's right? she's no pushover. She's yeah. not a weak 
human being, but man, was she portrayed as one yeah. through the first like three quarters of the movie until it got to the, you know, escaping the, the dragonfly copter thingy. Yeah. Um, which was, it, it seemed weird, like a weird character arc to go from super weepy and super, I don't know if it was done to show her because it she got that way more and more with when it came to her son. Mm-hmm. So was it meant to show like the depth of her love for him? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But you could do that without making her look like no spine. Yeah. So I'm glad she got to change that arc. Yeah. Show us what she's really capable of. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, okay, here's a question for you. What did you make of the the scene toward the end? Um so just before Paul's going to fight, uh, like sort of the honor fight, was a character's name? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. Jam- Jamis, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this vision of him. Uh, Paul has a vision of him dying. Mm-hmm. And then the actual fight turns out differently. Well, not only that. The individual Jamis in earlier visions was telling Paul that he would teach him the ways of the desert. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm lost on that. Like right. it seems that it would send it on a completely different like trajectory. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, he very clearly, you're right, very clearly had the vision of him dying of, yeah. of Jamis winning. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the scene, the fight scene was very interesting because it established Paul as a warrior. Right. Yeah. Right. Like very clearly like a warrior, especially when Zendaya is like, you know, it'll be he's an honor good warrior. for you. Yeah. He's a good warrior. He'll, he'll, he'll make it quick for you. Basically. He won't right. let you suffer. He won't let you suffer. And Paul, you know, fights him and Paul's mom, you know, he keeps asking him if he would yield. Right. Yeah. And he says, no, like that's not, you know, uh, I guess it's Javier Bardem that, that tells her that's not how we do things. Yeah. Right. That's not how this ends. Um, and she says, Paul's never killed anyone before. Yeah. Right. And then he does. Now the question is, uh, was the vision was he saying that in the vision because that interaction taught Paul about the culture of the desert? Like, yeah. So here's what, yes. And here's where watching it with the subtitles helped me mm. that in the vision of that Paul has of, of Jamis, Jamis killing him, the, whoever the voice is in the background that might kind of sounds like the Bene Gesserit mother, like woman person um the the voice says something like to to take a life is to take your own mm. and something about like you it doesn't say this directly but sort of paul has to die yes in order for quizach haderach to right to live um 
and there is there was kind of a bane moment in that like where in the the voice says in that vision something about rise and up like yeah all, all they need is like so. the, the people chanting rise 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 yeah <laughs> but um yes so i wonder if the vision was a metaphorical death of paul atreides mm. interesting so that you know in his killing Jameis, apparently uh he be he chooses the path to go on to become to like kind of set paul atreides aside and become the yeah. you know all the different names for it but yeah hatterach is the one that yeah quizach hatterach is the one that yeah. sits with me and that to me that jives with paul choosing that path right there's his mom at the end jessica wants to send him off world like let's make a bargain to get him off world and paul says no we were sent to the desert and this yeah. the desert's here yeah but yeah. i still don't know how to jive all of that with the earlier visions of james showing him the way and like being yeah, i don't a mentor. know yeah that i don't know and and so you know I, i'm excited to see what they do with the second one yeah yeah but not till 2023 well, it's all right. We've waited longer for other things too. Yes, we've we got have. a whole series of stuff to keep us entertained between now and then. We do indeed. You know, do so uh, I'm so excited. Overall, I mean, I don't really have to ask this based on what you said, but overall, I mean, we when we did Venom uh, previous episode, we did uh, just a simple old school uh, Siskel Niebert thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. What'd you give it? I, I give it a thumbs up. I yeah, had a great really. time. I had a great time. Now I'm guessing yours is the opposite direction. See, I, I'm torn. Like, here's where I need a more nuanced rating system. Than just thumbs up, thumbs <laughs> you down. can give it a thumb sideways. Can I give it a thumb sideways? Yeah, like, thumb sideways. All right, all right. We all just right. invented a whole new thing. Like, awesome. I, I didn't dislike it. It's it's well made. It's professionally acted, and it sound and it looks great, and it's so much. And it just, I just wanted to care more. Well. You know what? It's all right. Maybe when the second one rolls around, you know, it'll it'll hit all the buttons for you. Maybe yeah. some things will connect and drop. But yeah. in the meantime, everybody, thanks for tuning in to yeah, uh, absolutely to our Doom review. We Doom. let us know what you thought of Doom. Yeah. Uh, hit us up in uh, with a comment on Instagram or um, send us an email. Send us an email. How do they remind the people how they do that? Those things again. Yeah. You you can send us an email on supers at coffeeandcapes.com or you can leave us a a message on Instagram or a DM on Instagram at, uh, at coffee underscore the letter N underscore capes. Um, yeah. So send us your thoughts. Thanks everybody for, uh, for journeying with us on this and, uh, we're having a good time doing this. I hope we hope you are too. Um, so we're going to keep doing it because we like it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So drink some good coffee and, uh, enjoy some geek culture until next time. Till next time guys. Bye everybody. Bye.